Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America for Monday, June the 6th. It is great to be with you. Thank you for being the faithful patriots that you are, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, people working to save America. We pray for America because we need to save America, because there are people intent on destroying America, some of them in high political office, and they should not be in those high political positions. That's why we also pray for our upcoming midterm elections. I shouldn't even say upcoming. They are they are currently underway with all the primaries going on. More primaries tomorrow, of course, uh, including in, um, in New Jersey uh, and uh, various other states. Uh, you can go to electioncalendar.org and see not only the primary dates for the various states, you can also see the state, the date, dates for voter registration deadlines and for early voting and for uh, the primaries themselves. And then, of course, the dates similarly for the um, voter registration deadlines and early voting in terms of the general election, which, of course, for the whole country is on the same day, November the 8th. So let's keep all that very much in mind and very much at the top priority of our activities during these days and getting people out to vote. So let's go to the scriptures, and I want to go to Ephesians 6 tonight, which talks about the battle against evil, starting in verse 10. Finally, draw your strength from the Lord and from his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, with the powers, with the rulers of this present darkness, with the evil spirits in the heavens. Therefore, put on the armor of God that you may be able to resist on the evil day, and having done everything, to hold your ground. So stand fast, with your loins girded in truth, clothed with righteousness as a breastplate, and your feet shod in readiness for the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, hold faith as a shield to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Let us pray. Father, we do pray for America tonight, and we pray for one another. We pray for all the prayer requests of our fellow patriots and Christians. Lord, we ask you to enable us to equip ourselves, as this passage tells us, with the breastplate of faith, with the sword of the Spirit, with the truth. Enable us, Lord, to be masters of truth, that we may free our fellow citizens from the ignorance, from the darkness that leads us down the path of destruction. Set us free, Lord God. Help us to understand the realities that are around us as the issues of our day unfold. Help us to be girded with truth so that we can play our part in advancing our elections, in saving 
our country in crafting public policies consistent with your word and with the values on which this nation was founded. We ask all this in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, brothers and sisters, with the various things that are going on uh, in the news, it is so evident how important it is to understand, to have knowledge regarding the things that are going on, because so many silly things are said out of ignorance. People may care about certain issues, but if they don't know what constitutes the boundaries of those issues or the principles according to which they have to be decided or the basic provisions of the Constitution or the basic facts of the situation at hand, well, we're, 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 we're building on quicksand. We're wasting time, just empty words going back and forth between people who don't know what they're talking about. Let me give you a few examples of this. Uh, I mean, one of them, of course, is in regard to the gun gun dispute. I want to get to that in a second. But look at just what happened to uh, Peter Navarro, uh, one of uh, President Trump's uh, team, who was uh, called to uh, testify uh, before Congress with this uh, this January 6th uh, commission. And uh, he claimed executive privilege. Now, let's pause there for a moment. Executive privilege. First of all, there are various kinds of privileged conversations. You know it. I know it. I know it, especially as a priest. People come to me for confession, for a spiritual direction, and they know they can say anything to their priest because there is not just under law, there is under, under their religion a sacred secrecy. Okay, so there's a privileged conversation, which means it's privileged information between those parties only and therefore is not to be shared with others and others can't compel it to be shared, um, except under the rarest of circumstances. In the case of the uh, secrets in confession, it's absolute. We, we have, uh, there's no, no way that we can, um, from the point of view of our religion, violate that. So there's priest-penitent privilege. Then there's attorney-client privilege, right? When you're uh, talking to your attorney, you have to be free to speak so that your attorney can help you. That information is privileged. Sometimes you see it on the emails, right? You get an email from uh, an attorney in a conversation, and it's got that paragraph about this may contain privileged information, cannot be shared if you've received this in error, you know, destroy this message, and so forth. Uh, then you have, of course, a privileged conversation uh, with a doctor, okay, your, your private medical information. Again, both you and your doctor have to be able to speak freely, but that doesn't mean it's information that others can, uh, can legitimately um, request. And then there's executive privilege. Now, this has to do with the separation of powers, right? The Congress is one branch of government, the lawmaking branch. The executive branch is a different branch of government with different but related responsibilities. Well, if there isn't privileged information that the president, for example, needs and uses in order to carry out his responsibilities, but rather if Congress can keep looking over his shoulder and looking into 
uh, every detail of what's being said and what's being done, then they're exerting an undue amount of pressure and power there that upsets the, the proper division, the proper separation, the proper independence of each of the branches of government. Now, what happened here in the case of Peter Navarro is that he invoked this executive privilege. And then what the government did, and of course, this, this, this kind of thing always happens when the Democrats are in charge. Instead of going to a court, the government simply arrests him. He's arrested at an airport while uh, going to board a plane indicts him, but you can't do, and says he's in contempt of Congress, but you can't do that without, see, they skip the step. You have to go to a judge first so that the judge can determine whether in this specific case, the executive privilege applies. In other words, whether somebody like Mr. Navarro was correct in invoking the executive privilege. And I just want to bring out this one aspect of a, it's just a rapidly developing story. And of course, there's many different elements to it. But but I just want to focus on this one thing. Again, unless we know how things work, we have to gird ourselves with the truth. We have to understand these things. And you wonder sometimes how, ma how many of the people in the very positions in government where they're responsible for carrying out these activities properly even know these things themselves. Or maybe they know and they just don't care, which the Democrats have, have, have uh, exhibited that kind of I don't care attitude time and time again, whether it was with the fake impeachment hoaxes on, of President Trump, the fake investigations, phony, phony, phony. And they just threw fairness and due process and protocol and even constitutional requirements out the window. They don't care. All they want is power. So they take a person like Peter Navarro, they see him as a threat, and they say, oh, well, we're going to arrest you. Oh, we're going to indict you. You're in contempt of Congress. Says who? He's invoking executive privilege. So if the government wants to do something about that to try to force him, or if they're going to arrest or indict or hold him in contempt, you've got to go to a court first. This is why we have a judicial branch. When there are disputes between parties, we have courts to work out those disputes in a constitutional way, they didn't even bother going to a judge. This is dangerous stuff. And Alan Dershowitz was commenting about this recently, too, saying this kind of thing, arresting this man, Peter Navarro, this is dangerous to democracy. And, you know, then the people like Pelosi and Schumer, you know, they Biden himself, they get on the soapboxes and talk about the threats to democracy, you know, coming from the right. No, they are the ones undermining, trampling underfoot democracy. Let's pray about this. Lord God, we pray for all those, Lord, who have worked with. President Trump on his, his great team have accomplished historic things for America, for our freedom, for our values, for our families, for our businesses, for our churches, for the unborn. Lord, this team has done incredible things, and now we see the Democrats continuing to attack them. Lord, we ask you, send down grace from heaven right now and stop these attacks in their tracks. And those that are just throwing constitutional protocols out the window and 
and, and uh, parameters of, of freedom and of justice, Lord, they don't care. We ask you to melt the hardened hearts. And Lord, take away from them the power that they have to inflict harm and enable us as a country to move forward based on the principles that have been established, not on some kind of whim of power-hungry people. We ask you to bless uh, and protect Mr. Navarro and all those who are engaged in these battles and these processes, Lord. And uh, we ask you to grant that your people may stand firm in what is right and in what is just, that we too may give that same example. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if there's any other uh, issues to be prayed over, uh, certainly this whole question of... uh, The gun violence is one of them. And again, oh my goodness, the amount of ignorance that is going around is incredible. You heard the Congress, I commented on this the other night, Congressman Mondaire Jones there talking about uh, the um, semi-automatic weapons. If you have an automatic weapon, what that means is you pull the trigger and hold it and it keeps shooting. Semi-automatic means you have to pull the trigger each time that you want to shoot, but you don't have to load the round manually. That's what semi-automatic means. So a regular handgun, we're not talking about some kind of big, gigantic rifle or kind of immense gun like this big. No, a handgun is semi-automatic. Most of the time you just, when you press it, when it fires, the next the next round goes into the cylinder and it's ready to fire again so you go boom 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 with your with your but you have to keep pulling the the trigger he didn't even he didn't even know what he was talking about because when he said oh yeah you know semi-automatic weapons these are these are weapons of war oh so you would ban all all handguns and pistols no 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 no, 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 no ignorance ignorance And here he's in a position to vote about laws that regulate this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Do your homework. Find out something about what in the world you're talking about. Some similarly, people throwing around the statistics, you know, about the United States being the worst uh, country in the world as far as the mass shootings. No, no, this is not the case. And the statistics about gun gun deaths and so forth. The United States uh, records them differently from other countries. You could look at the statistics and you see something like uh, 38,000 gun deaths um, recorded by the Centers for Disease Control. Uh, uh, These statistics, whether it's on this or other things, are always a few years, you know, take a few years to compile. So the latest statistic, 38,000. But unless a person knows that we as a country count death by suicide as gun death, if if a gun is used. So you can't be looking at a tragic situation like happened in Tulsa or Uvalde or any of these other places where there were these mass shootings and all of a sudden just apply to that the gun death statistics. It's apples and oranges in the sense that you look at the gun death statistics, two-thirds of those deaths, two-thirds of them are suicides. So we take that out of the equation, and then you've got 
hundreds of these deaths by accidental discharge of the guns. Um, and then you've got, uh, then you've got, of course, another 80% of these uh, gun deaths, again, looking at the federal statistics, that are these um, city gangs using handguns. So this whole discussion about AR-15s and these big, big, gigantic weapons and, and uh, weapons of war and assault. First of all, the term assault weapons, and I, and I was, <laughs> I got to say, disappointed but not surprised to see this term in a uh, statement that some of the bishops made recently as they were recommending to Congress some action regarding gun control. They used a made-up term, which doesn't have any meaning, assault weapons. Why are you using a term that doesn't have any, any, any meaning? And you're talking to legislators that are going to actually craft policies in regard to this? What is an assault weapon? There's no such thing as an assault weapon. If you want to use a weapon to assault somebody, the assault is the action. The assault is not in the weapon. The assault is in the person who is evil enough or sick enough to use it to assault somebody. So you can use a baseball bat, a car, a knife, a, 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 an explosive. You can use anything you can get your hands on. If you're in, in, the, in the frame of mind that you're going to assault somebody, your assault weapon is whatever weapon you're going to use to make the assault. But don't put the guilt of assault into the weapon. Yeah, but this is this is the this is the the the. Uh, I, I don't know, brothers and sisters. This is ridiculous. Furthermore, you look at the per capita gun ownership in the United States. You know that it's the same today as it was 50 years ago. It's about 42, 43 percent per capita number of, of uh, gun, gun owners in the United States. The, the, the percentage per capita hasn't changed in 50 years. You know what has changed in 50 years? The numbers of mass shootings. They've gone up exponentially. The argument being, it's not the existence or the availability of the guns that's causing the problem of the mass shootings. Again, follow the logic. If guns are just as much prevalent within the population today in the United States, statistically, percentage per capita, as they were 50 years ago. But 50 years ago, the, the number of mass shootings each year was a fraction of what it is now. How can the problem be a function of just the availability of the guns? much less a function of what kind of guns are available. No, it's, it's ignorance. But we have to be careful that we don't let the ignorance fool us. Now, I, I saw a very disappointing tweet by uh, somebody. I'll tell you who the somebody is in a minute, but let me read the tweet. Guns are sacred, lives in the womb are sacred, and what about the lives of nine and ten-year-olds? What? Now, obviously, this is a caricature, right? 
of what this person doing the tweet thinks of those on the right or in the Republican Party because they're saying guns are sacred, lives in the womb are sacred. But what about the 9 and 10-year-olds? What policies by the supported by the Republicans or by the conservative movement or by the right in America what policies supported by any of us would tolerate or call for or legalize or justify the killing of a 9 or 10 year old exactly what pol- what policy to make this equivalent to our concern about abortion you know what you would have to do you would have to say, you would have to show, okay, that a political party, let's say the Republican Party, is maintaining the legality, first of all, the legality would have to be there in the first place, maintaining the legality of clinics where mothers can take their 9 and 10-year-olds to be beheaded. Think of this ridiculous scenario just for a moment. And I paint this ridiculous scenario because it's the only scenario that's equivalent to what the Democrats are supporting when they support abortion. That there would be clinics in the United States of America operating legally, protected in their activity, whereby just by the choice of the mother, She could drag her 9 or 10-year-old child there. That child would be strapped down to a table. While still alive, that child's arm would be cut off. While still alive, the other arm would be cut off. While still alive, the legs would be cut off. While still alive, the, the torso would be disemboweled. And while still alive, the skull would be crushed and 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 this baby would be this child would be killed and if there were a political party that said that that was okay and then not only we're going to keep that okay but you don't even have to have a reason just by the choice of the mother and in fact for that facility to operate and do those dismemberments of nine and ten year old children we're going to use taxpayer dollars to fund it. Now, there would be an equivalency, and only there. Are we saying let's sell guns precisely to people who have made it known that their intention is to kill a nine or 10 year old? And we're going to, they're coming, applying for the gun for that reason. I wish to buy this gun because there are nine and 10 year old children in my community that I want to kill. Oh my goodness. And yet we've got people talking as if that's the case. And furthermore, this, this, this tweet is, is, is putting the same, using the same word, a religious term. Sacred. Now, lives in the womb are sacred. Hopefully, the person tweeting this believes that. But guns? It's not that guns are sacred. It's that guns defend a sacred reality that is life and freedom. 
You know, the idea of owning a gun, and I recently became a gun owner myself after having moved here to Florida. The idea behind it is not hunting or hobbies or even self-defense, although obviously they are used for those purposes very legitimately. The ultimate reason is protecting liberty. As has been said on a number of social media posts uh, in recent days, our founding fathers, when they put that Second Amendment there in the Bill of Rights, they hadn't just come off a hunting trip. They had just freed the country from tyranny. Fighting tyranny, defending liberty. Who was the ultimate defender of that? It's the people. This country is governed by the people. We, the people, have to be able to defend liberty. That's what's sacred. I'm sorry to say that this tweet that I read, I read part of it. Let me read the whole thing. Guns are sacred, lives in the womb are sacred. And what about the lives of 9 and 10-year-olds and many others? Catholics and people of goodwill believe that every life from conception to natural death and all in between are sacred. Why leaders haven't stopped the carnage? Why? Well, leaders don't have a magic wand to stop the carnage. You know, the bishops wrote a letter to, to Congress with some specific proposals about how to increase the requirements with uh, gun uh, uh, background checks when you purchase a gun. Like I, like I said, I recently purchased a gun and uh, I had to wait several days for the background check to clear. It's a universal requirement. Anybody that is buying a gun by a, from a federally licensed uh, uh, gun dealer is going to have to have a background check. See, here's the thing about increasing the whether it's the amount of time or people that are getting them privately, uh, increasing these requirements for background checks ignores one simple thing. If you're a criminal, you're not going to get a background check because it's going to show that you're a criminal, right? I mean, this has been brought out. I heard uh, Dan Bongino talking about this the other day. I mean, it's common sense. You're you're not going to you're a criminal. You're not going to get a background check run on you because then it's going to find out, hey, he's a criminal. You're not going to get the gun. Oh, my goodness. If you're going to use a gun to do something wrong, you're going to do something wrong to get the gun. I mean, is it? are we even at a spot in this whole debate where talking like this reasonably is going to get through to people? It'll get through to some people. But brothers and sisters, I mean, we we have we have reached a really bad point here, um, and people don't realize. And 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 this was another point brought up by I forget who a number of other commentators uh, was listening to uh, Sebastian Gorka and 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 others recently talking about how you know uh, when you start hearing cries about well let's make sure that that um, that background checks are done. And, and, and guns are registered and sales are tracked when it's private people, private citizens selling to one another and not just licensed gun dealers, be careful because what's at play here is an effort to identify where all the guns are so that government can then have the ability eventually to come in and say, okay, we're going to start. We want to know where they all are. 
because we want to start taking them away. Now, of course, taking them away, this would be a, 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 a in America, this would be an impossible task. First of all, not only because we're going to say no, but secondly, because uh, of the sheer volume of what you're talking. It's a completely uh, 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 imaginary kind of, of, of accomplishment. And yet this is what countries do, and this is what governments do when the country is becoming a socialist communist country. Take a look at Venezuela. Take a look at what... Look at what Canada is doing, even right now, putting a freeze on the on the guns. Brothers and sisters, this is dangerous territory. We have a Second Amendment for a reason. And by the way, I uh, put out a tweet. Oh, I didn't tell you who this tweet was from. It was from an archbishop of the Catholic Church, the Archbishop of San Antonio. You should know better. But the point is that what we see happening here is based on Number one, what a lot of people are saying is based on ignorance. And number two, what ultimately those who are engineering this is basing it on is an attack on freedom. And that's where we have to rise up and say no. But we have a a fascinating uh, uh, irony here. Uh, Biden's going around saying, oh, you know, the Second Amendment is not absolute. The Democrats echoing that, oh, but it's not absolute. And yet, there's a, it's right there in black and white in the, in the, Constitu- in the Constitution, right, in the, in the Second Amendment. And yet they proclaim a right which is nowhere to be found in the Constitution, namely abortion. And they make that absolute. So let's get this straight. A right which is there in black and white in the Constitution is not absolute, but a right that has no basis in the Constitution is absolute. These people are crazy. And what they're trying to say, getting on a moral high horse about the Second Amendment, is, oh, well, we're, we, we've, got to, we've got to do everything we can to protect lives. And meanwhile, the right that they're claiming is absolute is for the purpose of taking life, the purpose of ending life, ending not the life of an attacker, ending the life of an innocent baby in the womb. So let's pray. Father, we are facing the the absurdity, the sickness of this culture of death, which is a culture of insanity. Lord, death can can be sustained as a good only when the culture has lost its common sense, lost its moral bearings, lost its sanity. And Lord God, that is the conflict today. It's between good and evil, as it has always been. It is between life and death. But Lord God, it is between common sense and insanity. And Lord God, we ask you that by the light of the Holy Spirit, we may be sane. We may be, as we read at the beginning of the program uh, tonight, shielded by faith and the Word of God and girded with truth. Help us to understand, Lord God, what is going on around us, and help us to take the positions that will lead our country into more freedom, not less. We pray all this in the name of Jesus the Lord, and we pray in the words He gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, God bless you, friends. Thanks for joining me. I let others know about our program. And connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone and with Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. We will uh, keep in close contact. We will keep praying for one another. And we will join you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.